Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University, class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times motivates you to search deep inside yourself in the quest of fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today, take full accountability for the decisions you make in a resulting outcome. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. We are at a very, very important time in our country's history. Never before has equality been more important than right now in 2022. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Patricia Lenko. Patricia is widely regarded as a thought leader on board recruiting, corporate governance, composition, and succession. She is also the author of a very important and timely book, Time's Up, Why Boards Need to Get Diverse Now. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Patricia. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, the honor is all ours. Kindly tell us from what city and state you're speaking to us today from, please. I am speaking to you from beautiful Woodbury, Connecticut, although most of my time and where I do my work is in New York City. But I happen to be out here in Connecticut today. It's beautiful oh, and wow. snowy. Uh, yes, the hawk is talking here in Brooklyn this morning. That is for sure. Sadly, we've only got about 30 minutes. So we want to get into this book and really talk all about your great area of expertise. But just to familiarize yourself a little bit with our audience, would you be so kind to share with the listeners of me just a little bit about yourself, please, Patricia? Absolutely. So I am originally from Canada, from Montreal. I've oh, lived wow. in New York. Yeah, I've lived in New York City for 24 years, and I have been an executive recruiter in New York City, working everywhere globally um, for 24 years. I run my own firm now. Most of my work is focused on boards, um, and I'm very passionate about diversity on boards, which is we can talk about that in the book. Um, on my off time, I am a mother and I am an animal advocate. I started a not-for-profit focused on animal welfare. So I spend a good deal of my time thinking about and trying to help um, the four-legged creatures that we share this world with. Uh, we are so blessed to have someone of your ilk and your big heart on Thank God for Monday today. And it's so great to help from Montreal. Uh, my favorite sport is hockey. And even though oh. I'm a Devils fan, I've long respected the uh, Montreal Canadiens, the inhabitants, certainly. And I know yes, that. I uh, grew up at the Montreal Forum, the old Montreal Forum, spending a lot of time watching Montreal Canadiens hockey games. Oh, wow. That is fabulous, certainly. Let's dive right into Headlong, this great book of yours, Time's Up. What are some of the current challenges, Patricia, and trends 
in the corporate governance space, please? So that's a really big question, but I think before I answer that, maybe I'll provide a little bit of context as to what a board is. Um, I find that over the past 20 years, I've learned that people don't necessarily even understand boards until they're really in the boardroom. Um, and so I'll just spend a minute discussing Please, sort that of would the be very concept. Nice. Yeah, what is a board? So boards, of course, there's boards of not-for-profit institutions like you know universities. Um, and then there's corporate boards and boards of you know other kinds of small private companies, et cetera. At the end of the day, the role and the the purpose of the board is to provide direction to the organization. So they are the ultimate governing body um, at the top of an organization. Not all organizations have them, but when they do exist, basically they are kind of where the buck stops. So strategic direction, they oversee the CEO, they recruit the CEO, they evaluate the CEO. They make sure that there are sufficient resources to run the organization. Um, they have presumably independent judgment and wisdom and help an organization run themselves, guide themselves strategically, make big decisions, um, and generally overall run sort of the top of the organization. So that's the board in a nutshell. Um, you know, there's lots of details that I could go into, but generally that's what boards do. Um, in terms of the challenges, so with you, when you think about that, the fact that the boards are the ultimate overseer of an organization, you um, think about, okay, what have they been faced with? What are some of the challenges? So certainly in the last few years, the big challenge has been, of course, COVID. All companies have been dealing with what do we do about COVID? How do we run our businesses? Not only from a supply chain and how do we actually get our products out the door, but what do we do with our people? So how do we focus? I mean, I don't think in you know 25 years that I'm doing this that we've ever seen such a focus on health and safety issues for people, which I think is a silver lining coming out of this is organizations have realized that we must pay greater attention to our human capital and how to keep them safe and engaged. So COVID definitely like shined a light on you know, human capital issues. Um, the other sort of big recent challenge, of course, when everybody went to work at home, the technology infrastructure that allows people to work remotely was tested. So all kinds of cybersecurity and technology questions about how businesses run themselves and how boards ultimately oversee this um, has been part of the challenge and, um, you know, questions and conversation. So basically the way we do work has changed and therefore the way we think about the use of technology is so much more important. Um, and boards have been tasked with figuring out what's the best solution when all our, well, most of our, or many of our employees are gonna be working remotely. I know here at the college, St. Francis College that I work at, we do have a board of trustees but I'm clueless as to what qualifies someone to be on a board and are they compensated and, and how even are they compensated? So the first part of the question, what qualifies somebody to be on a board? Typically boards are made up of people who have different skill sets. Every board needs financial skills. So as a matter of fact, I read an article, I think yesterday that 53% of the 
people that were appointed to corporate boards last year had financial skill sets. And that could be you're a CFO, it could be you're you know, an auditor, you're an accountant, you have a CPA degree. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so financial skills is kind of at the top. Every board needs to manage them themselves financially. Otherwise, you know, they may not be in business. Above and beyond that, every board needs people who are what we call operators. So those are people who have run businesses or run organizations, who've run a group, who've, who've run all of the functions. So they've overseen a business in its entirety. Other things that are important today are risk management. So boards, especially financial services organizations, need experts on how to evaluate the various risks, including like COVID, for example, and supply chain limitations. How do we assess and evaluate and manage through the different risks that we have? Another key important part of, well, expertise that boards are looking for is, of course, technology. So every board um, needs either digital transformation, they need cybersecurity, they make big investments in technology. So technology is a very important skill set on boards. And then depending on the company, some companies need international expertise. They might need marketing expertise, human capital. So depending on the business, um, I'm working on a board search that I'm going to actually work on today. It's specifically software skills and scaling a business. So depending on the company and what they do, you know, the expertise is different, but every board needs always financial expertise and operating experience. Wow. So just like an organization itself, people indeed uh, have different skill sets within the organization. On boards, people have different skill sets and it's the amalgamation of those skill sets. That is amazing. And then are board members compensated? Do they actually get some sort of stipend or how does all that work? Yeah, sorry, I forgot about the second That's part. Okay. Um, so in uh, on a not-for-profit board, such as a university, you do not get compensated. Um, as a matter of fact, on some not-for-profit boards, the expectation is that they call it give or get. So actually you make a contribution. So if you sit on, for example, a museum board, the expectation will be you give X amount of money as a donation. So not only are you not getting paid, but you're actually expected to contribute. Wow. Um, and the larger the organization, the more the contribution will be. So um, yeah, so that's sort of the not-for-profit space. And if you're on a large public company board, the compensation could be very lucrative. So you can, you know, the average or sort of a, let's say the Fortune 500 compensation could be several hundred thousand dollars. So that could be cash. It could also be stock. Um, and other benefits, they will pay, you know, when we used to go to meetings in person, obviously all your travel expenses would be paid. Um, I once heard, I forget which car company, but they gave their board directors a car. So depending on the company, yeah, there could be other benefits. And then, you know, most of us sit on small private company and smaller boards. So compensation in those cases could be anything from you know, $10,000 to $50,000, maybe a piece of equity. So really, it depends on the size of the company, whether the company's public, private, also how many times a year it meets. Some boards meet four times a year, some boards meet 10 times a year. So there's a lot that goes into it. But you could have anything from, I must pay the organization to several hundred thousand dollars at the other end. Wow, this is all information I've never heard of, certainly, and I'm sure very <laughs> for our listeners as well. 
Now, if I heard what you said a little bit ago, uh, you were working on a search. I mean, how do board directors even get recruited? That's the mystery of, of what I've learned that you know, most people don't really know. Um, so basically they get recruited in two general ways. Either there are recruiting firms like myself and I get hired by a company. So ABC company needs a board member. They call me, we talk about what they need. We do an assessment of what their board looks like. And then we figure out what we're gonna look for. So they hire a search firm like myself and I identify directors and basically recruit them. Probably about 70% of the time that doesn't happen. So 70% of the time boards get recruited through one's own network. And this is a legacy way of recruiting boards. So ABC company says we need a new director because somebody retired or somebody left for some other reason. So they basically kind of sit around and say to each other, who do we know who can join our board? Which is a whole sort of issue because who do we know tends to be people like ourselves, which has perpetuated the lack of diversity. So that's sort of another part of the conversation, but generally about 70% of the time it is through that network or they might also ask their trusted advisor. So they might ask um, their bankers, their lawyers, their accountants, who do wow. you know wow. who you can recommend for our board? So, Again, 30, let's say 30, 35, it's, the number is like 25 to 35% of the time, a person like myself or recruiting firm like myself who get engaged in typically larger companies. So let's say the Fortune 500 will always go to a recruiter and typically smaller companies, and this is generally, there's exceptions, smaller companies who are more resource constrained and may not sort of have the money to spend on a service like this, they might uh, do it through their own network. This is all so fascinating. I'm here in the Career Center at St. Francis College. One of the services we provide is mock interviewing, and it's certainly for a job. Is the interview for a board member? Let's say they're going to go through an interview or two. similar to a job interview? What's the interview look like? So at its core, you know, the interview will be questions and answers. It'll be trying to get at a person's experience and skills. But I think what's different is that you want to know that this person, under, first of all, understands the role of a director, which is different than a job. So you're sort of at a big picture and you don't get involved in the operation. So you want to make sure the person knows how to sort of go, go to sort of a, a higher level of thinking, a more strategic level of thinking where they're not going to question the day-to-day decision-making, but they're really going to opine on big questions that the company is facing. So you need to make sure that any candidate understands corporate governance. And I often, when I'm interviewing candidates, I ask the candidates, like, do you understand what the board does and what are the pressing points in corporate governance? Because it's really important that, you know, people understand the difference between management and, you know, boards of directors. Um, The other difference, (coughs) so sorry, (coughs) sorry. Today, it's very much a two-way street. So boards, um, taking on a board is a big responsibility. So they say each board role can be approximately 250 hours a year. Um, And people, you know, so it's considered a part-time job, but it's still a very serious and a very, it can be a very onerous um, job. So as a candidate, if you're thinking about this, like people I speak to, I'm so excited, I want to get on a board, but that 
what you know they need to think about is you need to pick the right board. Um, you need to think through where you're going to spend your time and what are the risks and challenges that this company might be facing before you jump in. So I just read, I actually have it up here. There was an article this week, Toys R Us directors face new fraud claims over bankruptcy. So oh. there you go. So these people were on the Toys R Us board and now they're facing, I didn't read the whole article. That's why I have it up. I'm going to read it today. But basically it's these directors went on Toys R Us and now they're facing some kind of um, responsibility for something that happened. So there is a risk. So you want to make sure it's a two-way street as well. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Now, I know we touched upon very briefly earlier on so far, diversity. Let's really now peel the onion. Help us out, please, Patricia. What constitutes diversity? And is every minority group equally sought in the boardroom? So diversity is often thought of in a sort of far more simplistic way than it really is. So diversity, what we're really looking for with diversity is diversity of thought. But we know that we get diversity of thought through gender diversity and ethnic diversity and racial diversity, because by virtue of being a female, let's say, I will look at the world differently than you. So we get at the diversity of thought through these other ways of diversity. Um, so right, <clears throat> right now, the types of diversity that we're thinking about in order to get that diversity of thought really are gender. So gender has been a, an area that we have focused on, that boards have focused on probably very strongly for at least, let's say 15 years. Wow. So there has been much change, much push to change. As a matter of fact, it really started to really be focused on in I think 2006, when Norway, the country, um, instituted a quota. So they, I think it was back in, it was either 2005 or 2006, Norway said, we want all of the boards of publicly traded companies in our country to have 40% women. Oh my. So that was, okay. Yeah. So that was the beginning of really the pressure, um, you know, before people knew it was important, but maybe we're able to sort of push it aside. So gender diversity has been an issue and it's a source of discussion for a long time. Ethnic and racial diversity is really something that we've talked about for 10 years, but we've really focused on in the last, really heavily focused on in the last few years. So of yeah. course, the, since George Floyd, for example, I have a number here, black board members accounted for 18.5% of all new board appointments to the Russell 3000 following George Floyd's death. So basically that was a kind of a turning point for many reasons, but for boards, it was, you know, and, and I guess for, for the world, it was, you know, we were focused on, um, you know, what racial inequity and all of this other. Exactly, you know, yes. So companies began to really think about this. And when they looked at themselves, they realized that we really, while we might have done some, made some progress in gender diversity, really our ethnic and racial diversity is still woefully low compared to the population. So what you want to have is if women make up 50% of the population, you generally want to have women making up 50% of the board seats and 50% of senior leadership, just because that's the way the demographics are. Um, well, why it makes same, sense to me that should be the way. Right. So if, 
you know, African-Americans make up, I think it's 13% um, of the United States, then they should approximately make up 13% of the board. So they want to, the board should reflect the environment um, that it functions in, that the company functions in. So, um, so this has been changing, you know, in the last couple of years. I read a, another statistic in the last year, 72, this is an, an amazing number, 72% of all directors, new directors, identified as female or from historically underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. So wow. these numbers, like this is like a rocket ship that took off. Um, and companies are scrambling, well, not every company, but many companies have, you know, are scrambling to change the demographics and the composition of their board to include different kinds of people. That's really good news. There's no doubt about that. Now, are there some myths that hurt board diversity? And why do you think, Patricia, I know you alluded to some of this earlier, maybe we can peel the onion a little more. Why do you think boards are not more diverse? And and, and are there some myths that might hurt board diversity? So there are many myths. I think the biggest one and the most universal one that I hear is that there's not enough qualified candidates. Oh, we would be more diverse, but we can find qualified candidates. There are no diverse, let's say to the point earlier, software executives who have scaled businesses. So we're gonna you know, stick with the same old, same old. So that's definitely, um, a big, a big pushback. And I always tell the story of, and I don't like to point out companies, but it was well known when Twitter went public back in 2013, they, they, when they filed to go public, they had an entirely white male board. Oh my goodness. Um, and lots of people, there was a big outcry about this. And lots of people were writing about it and talking about it. And in the company's defense, um, the CEO at the time, Dick Costello, said that they were um, a, an engineering technology company um, that needed heavy technical skills. And therefore, there were no women to, who were qualified to sit on the board. And they didn't put women because they didn't want it to be a check the box exercise. And there, you know, there were no uh, women or ethnically diverse people who were qualified to sit on the Twitter board. So that's not a unique story. Um, you know, eight years later, or yeah, they have, I think, two or three women. And, you know, the whole situation has changed, right. which is, you know, typical. But at the time, it was like, how is this possible? We, you know, and they believed, I think, that there weren't enough qualified people. Gee, that's really something, no doubt about that. Now, you mentioned this before. It is clear that divorce, diverse boards make better decisions. Share a little more about that, please. How does that happen? So I mentioned about diversity of thought. So if you put, if you're in a room with the people who look like you, who grew up with you, who had the same experience as you, and you you have to solve a problem, you're going to kind of look at it the same way. Um, you may come to a solution, but you're not really going to have the benefit of you know differing opinions differing ways of looking at you know something so when you have a group and this comes from more psychology and decision making theory when you have a group of different kinds of people who are trying to solve a problem they will deliberate longer they will debate more but when they come to the conclusion which is going to take longer to get to it's going to be a better outcome um, and i like to use 
the analogy, the sports analogy. So when you have a team and you like hockey, you know, do you have an entire team of goalies or defensemen, or do you need a team of, I don't know all the positions. I should know, but I don't. Exactly. The center, the forward, defense, the goaltender. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. And each of those people plays a role to lead to the success of the team. So, you know, it's the same thing with the board. It's the same thing with a company. Now, it's very interesting. You mentioned before about, I believe it was Norway. Uh, yes. If I understand correctly, in September of 2020, California enacted legislation requiring every publicly held corporation whose principal executive offices were in California to have a minimum of one director from, quote, an underrepresented community on its board of directors by December 31st, 2021. Yeah. In your opinion, Patricia, is this a healthy thing? Is this a good thing? Why or why not, please? This is a very controversial thing in the United States. So many other countries, as I mentioned, Norway, Italy, Israel, I mean, they're all over the world. They have quotas, Germany. Um, but in the United States, you know, the constitution, I'm not a, an expert, but constitutionally, this doesn't seem, you know, to sit well with many people. That being said, California has this law now, but what people don't realize is before this happened, they had what they call a soft law. They had a kind of request. So they said, can you, California companies, please diversify? We're not, there's no consequences. We're not mandating it. It's not a law, but it's, it's, a, it's a request. And I think what happened is companies didn't take it too seriously and didn't do as much as California had hoped they would do. So the problem still remained and therefore they turned up the heat. So they then passed this law and said, okay, now you must do this. And if you don't do it, there will be financial consequences. And there's wow. also, yeah. So I think, you know, what's going on is that companies have been asked, everyone knows that this is, first of all, it's good for business. This is not about a social good, although it is a social good. It's, it's shown that companies that have more diversity in their boardroom have better financial results, period, end of story, non-negotiable. That's been proven. Um, but companies, for a whole host of reasons, one of which is they believe that, you know, there's not enough supply, are still sort of not as, not as diverse as they should be. So, you know, the world is saying, well, we're asking you to do it on your own, but if you're not going to do it on your own, we're going to tell you this is what you must do. So in addition to California, um, there is Washington has a, has a mandate, Colorado, Pennsylvania, um, New York has enacted a board diversity disclosure. So the first step is sometimes tell us the diversity that's on your board. Um, and therefore, that's the, you know, the beginning of the measurement, which is in the beginning of the change. Um, so Illinois has, has a requirement. So there's a lot going on in this country in that way, pushing companies and basically giving them no choice anymore. Just, to, you know, they can sort of say no anymore. That's sort of the bottom line. Oh, that's excellent. I'm curious. I don't know if it's too soon to ask this question, but have we seen these laws, these changes impact board diversity? Or is it too yes. early to? We have already. That's great. Yes, we have. And I think what's important going back to the Norway story, and we've learned, and there's been actually a, at least one book that I know of that's written about this. The, it's always, and this is, I, I want to make sure I say this before we don't have any time left, but it's always qualifications first. So you never want diversity without qualifications. And for me, when I talk about this and I do this work, 
I say to my clients, I can, whatever the qualifications are, I will find you the board director who also happens to be diverse. So you never want to make a sacrifice of qualification. So what happened in Norway is because it was a very onerous quota. They had to do it quickly and they had to do a lot. They ended up putting some women who were not qualified on boards. Oh, So that kind of backfired. So that's what you never want to happen. You want to make sure that everybody who goes on the board is qualified, but maybe you need to look a little harder to add diversity to that you know, equation. It's interesting because uh, before becoming a Franciscan brother, I was 30 years in the big pharmaceutical world. And we always said quality over speed. You need to take more time to make the better choice. Now let's go ahead and do it. Speaking of time, sadly, uh, time is getting short for us, but we have a couple more quick questions to ask you, certainly. Uh, many companies are instituting diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, including actually forming departments, hiring heads, diversity, equity, inclusion. How do you have a sense, uh, please, Patricia, do you think this will help in making boards more diverse? Yes, it definitely helps. I think LinkedIn published something last year in 2021 that said that chief diversity officers or those you know similar titles were the number one job hiring um, that was on LinkedIn. So it's definitely, it's great. I think DNI initiatives are fabulous, but I do think that they're a starting point because what happens is if you have a person who's head of diversity, who let's say is a middle level person and not at the top of the house and kind of diversity is perceived as a middle level exercise. People look at the board and say, okay, so we have this diversity person, but the board is not diverse. So what does that tell you? Like, what is the message you're sending to your employees, you know, and the world in general? So I think it's important in my opinion, I, you know, I use the expression of fish rots from the head to think about this at the very top of the organization and make sure that you're not only hiring your diversity person, but you're also looking at the top and saying, okay, you know, what message are we sending from the very top of the house? We've saved, uh, Patricia, the most important question for last. Where can our loyal listeners purchase this great book, Time's Up, Why Boards Need to Get Diverse Now? How can they best follow you, please? Yes, thank you for the opportunity to, to say that. So um, board is, uh, the book is available on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble, I think target.com, so online on those sites. I am online. I have a Twitter um, feed. I do a lot of talking about and writing about boards and governance and all these topics I talk about every day. So it's Patricia underscore Lenkov. And my website is agilityexecutivesearch.com. I do a lot of writing on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Patricia Lenkov. And there's a lot, I write almost, I write or tweet or share almost every day something about these, these many topics that I'm passionate about. Wow, listeners, you and I, we have no excuse. There's so many ways to follow Patricia. Please get out there and buy this great book, Time's Up, Why Boards Need to Get Diverse Now. This was a topic we have never done in our 15 years here on Thank God for Monday. This book really changed my whole view about boards and corporate governance and the importance of diversity and why we need to get diverse now, not only within our organization, but at the very top, uh, at the board level, certainly. Let me give you the spelling of Patricia's name. Of course, Patricia Lenkov, L-E-N-K-O-V, L-E-N-K-O-V. 
So please follow her. And as I say, get out there and buy this great book. And after you've done following Patricia, don't forget about us, please. Uh, the Tweet Tweet, the uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. And we are now on Tiki Talk as well. So uh, no excuse not to follow us as well. Patricia Lenko, thank you so much for being uh, with us today. Thank God for Monday. Uh, you've enlightened us, but you've really inspired us why this is really a very, very important topic. We need to stay very laser-like focused. And when we're forming boards, making sure there's diversity there, making sure everyone is represented so we can get the best decisions made for organizations, for its people, and for the world. So continued success and joy throughout 2022 and beyond with this great work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, the pleasure is ours. Listeners, sadly, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg's saying, my hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Patricia does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. We'll see you next week for another exciting episode of Thank God for Monday.